Hello, Randy Young here. This is the January 3rd, 2021 podcast. This is the podcast lesson uh, for number five in our series and is titled Attitude Adjustment. <clears throat> the lesson is focused on chapter five in the Gospel of Matthew. We probably all need some attitude adjustment in one area or another of our lives if we only would admit it. The first part of Matthew chapter 5 is commonly referred to as the Beatitudes and is part of what is called overall the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus covers a broad spectrum of topics in this chapter but really brings one to the heart of his message concerning the kingdom of God. Uh, this sermon occurs early in Jesus' ministry, and he is delivering here his longest and probably his most popular sermon as well. Uh, this chapter could be described as a template or pattern of behavior or conduct that followers of Christ should aspire to live by. As we read this chapter, it is clear that Christians should be striving to live in a manner noticeably different than society around us, that is, to a much higher standard of conduct. He is asking his followers to actually commit their lives to an invisible kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, a kingdom much more important and much more valuable than anything in the visible world. And Jesus is basically turning the typical human ideas about happiness and success upside down. So as we read and study the Sermon on the Mount, we have to ask ourselves if we are focused on achieving success in the kingdom of this world or in the kingdom of heaven. The Beatitudes, the first section of the chapter, <clears throat> the Beatitudes lists eight different blessed or blessed statements that are reflecting the kind of attitudes that Jesus is wanting to develop in his followers and which will actually lead to true happiness. They are blessed are the spirit, poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the meek, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, blessed are the merciful, blessed are the pure in heart, blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are those who who are persecuted because of righteousness. So, what does it actually mean to be blessed? Well, one might think that it would mean being happy, fortunate, or that your business is doing well. But actually, the word blessed here is far more significant. It means being favored by God, which is what we really all want to achieve. It is not just being happy due to your current circumstances, but actually 
a state of well-being because of a relationship with God. Social and spiritual aspects of life are woven throughout each beatitude here. Blessedness is a characteristic that is exclusively available to believers. And believers are characterized by their humility and confidence in God. You can tell the difference. The world at the time of Jesus and now despised anyone who was considered weak, but Jesus taught that anyone who recognizes his or her own spiritual poverty is really the one who is ready for spiritual growth. <clears throat> poor in spirit. Does poor in spirit mean to always be glum and downtrodden? I don't think so. It actually means we need to understand that we cannot save ourselves. We need a Savior, God, and we are saved by his grace. Jesus came into the world in a very humble manner and setting, as we all know. So we need to realize that the emphasis here is based on God's power and that our salvation is not going to be based on our own resourcefulness or our activities or our works. Meek. What does it really mean to be meek? Does it mean being a doormat, giving in to everyone, weak or cowardly? I don't think that's what it means at all. It might be described as power under control. That is, restraining one's own power and listening to someone else's point of view, even though you may totally disagree. It can mean quickly forgiving perceived insults or offenses, not retaliating, or as Paul has described, being content. Merciful. We find that merciful people are compassionate. They look for and try to meet the needs of others. Mercy is demonstrated not only in forgiving a guilty party, but also in helping someone in need. When we show grace to someone that we don't believe deserves it, it can actually help us to recognize the mercy we have received that we certainly didn't deserve. Peacemakers. How about peacemakers? Does being a peacemaker mean trying to achieve peace at any or all cost? Not really. If we look at Romans 12, 18, it says, If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. I think this means we need to exercise self-control and try to first understand the other's perspective before trying to be understood ourselves. Striving for harmony in all areas of life as a reflection 
of the inner peace that only God can give us. The word peacemaker moves beyond the idea of political and economic stability to include total well-being in the spiritual realm as well. In general, peacemakers really want more than just an end to conflict. They want, they want healing among people, ultimately dependent on reconciliation with God. You might be in a group conversation at some point when you begin to notice the tension is really beginning to rise as a result of disagreements in the group conversation. Then you may also notice the peacemaker in the group say something like, maybe we should pray about this. And it's amazing how the tension will diminish. Pure in heart. Being pure in heart draws our attention <clears throat> to the inner person. Jesus taught that the condition of our heart really is the source of who we really are. And we read about this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. And this brings us to an attitude adjustment, the title of this lesson. Jesus goes on to describe his followers as the salt of the earth. <clears throat> the notion of seasoning here is that the Christian presence can flavor situations with kingdom values, big influence. Perhaps others uh, will refrain from telling that dirty joke or cursing when a Christian is present. So the Christian presence can serve as uh, resistance to the influence of sin. He also describes them as the light of the world, where folks may see the positive behavior of the Christian, and it might cause others to behave better as well. Jesus has said he did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And we see several examples of this in the Beatitudes. He talks, for instance, about how your anger can cause you to sin and murder someone. So this comes back to attitude. If you are quick to get angry and have little self-control, it can lead to murder. If we are pure in heart and concerned for the other person, we will want to seek reconciliation. I don't think he is telling us here that we should not attempt to defend ourselves or our loved ones if we are attacked but that we should maintain self-control and attempt to diffuse any potentially violent situation before it escalates. So under the old law, they were told to not murder. But here he is going further and saying that anger is the root cause that leads to murder and that it is what we need to focus on diffusing. Further emphasizing that he is talking about matters of the heart, Jesus tells us that a lingering look with desire or lust towards someone of the opposite sex has already committed adultery in their heart without actually engaging in a physical act. 
Jesus here is drawing a distinct contrast to what this, the Pharisees believed, which was that the only that only the act of adultery was the problem. <clears throat> Have you ever been mocked or insulted because of your belief in Christ? Well, uh, I have. It wasn't pleasant. A fellow once said to me, and I quote, you don't really believe all that Jesus stuff, do you? And I'll tell you, I felt the hair stand up on the back of my neck. He tested my self-control and patience in a big way as I gritted my teeth and said, yes, I do. We clearly don't get persecuted for being Christians like some people in other parts of the world where they can actually be killed. But even here, we will be blessed when we are tested and our faith will grow. As we work our way through the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is laying out a pattern of living for his followers to aspire to and to allow the Holy Spirit to help us have an attitude adjustment. I have found in my life that when I know I'm going to need to engage with someone that I have difficulty dealing with, I need to do several things in advance. First, I need to pray about it. Then I also need to try to identify what or where the landmines are that might sabotage our interaction. I need to identify what I think the other person wants to see happen or wants from me. One way of stating this principle is to seek first to understand and then to be understood. Everybody wants to be heard and have their day in court. And many times that may be just enough to calm the situation and lead to a productive conversation. It also requires us to be present to really know what's going on and to be calm. This may sound easy, but unless our attitude is properly tuned and we are truly interested in the other's point of view, it can be difficult to do. <clears throat> in order for us to make progress toward the pattern Jesus has laid out for us, I think we each need to identify the attitude area that gets us into trouble. We know where it is and confess our weakness there and ask someone we trust to hold us accountable as we work to improve in that area. Thank you. I hope you have a good day and that you'll make progress on your attitude adjustment.